You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby doesn't take itself or indeed the game too seriously. I'm JB, in the Rugby Dungeon with Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello, JB. And down the line, in his Greek shipping container, Tim Cocker. How are we? Very well, gentlemen. The home of shipping containers. Yeah, exactly. Oh, bit of feedback. The home of shipping containers. Wow. And I'm looking looking out, as I talk to you now, on the the, the Gulf of Messini, as it just... uh, Reaches out into the Ionian Sea. Beautiful. If I headed directly south from where I am, I'd be in Libya. Oh, nice. Wow. wow. Fantastic. Edgy. <laughs> you going to go for a little <laughs> swim, maybe? Yeah, due south, yeah. <laughs> so, I've only ever told my wife she can't go to one place ever. Dubai? Nope. Uh, Riyadh? Nope. Did we talk H Rugby Club on a Saturday evening? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> nope. She wanted, ridiculously, to go to Libya to do some medicine on people, which is the most stupid thing I have ever, ever heard in my entire life. I was like, no, you cannot do that. Absolutely no. (laughs) Under any circumstances, can you go to Libya? (laughs) That does sound a bit dicey. Doesn't it just? Slightly dicey. Although, um, I'd love to go at some point. And the other place I'd love to go in the Middle East is Lebanon. Lebanon would be pretty cool. Lebanon's going to be awesome. Lebanon would be cool. Got, they got to the final of the Tag Rugby champ- World Championships. And Did they? Well, they've got a lot of Aussies, haven't they? Or there's yeah. a lot of Aussies of Ebenon, um, Lebanon, Lebanese descent. Yeah, there is like a... Um, basically, there is a suburb in Sydney which has got lots of Lebanese in, and that's how the Lebanese rugby, rugby league team operates. Yes. <laughs> um, that is that microphone... Is it on and picking stuff up? Because we're getting a lot of squeaking. Yes, I think it is. And now it's not. Okay. Yeah, good. And we're still... Is that, is that my, my usual microphone? It, it is, it is, it is. It's, uh, it's, oh, it's there you go. incredibly lonely, Tim, on the table on its own, without you here, <laughs> to caress it. Yeah, well, do you know who will be feeling incredibly lonely uh, <laughs> for the rest of this weekend? Uh, the Leinster squad. Leinster squad and fans. Well, well, well. You can <laughs> deny reality, but you can't deny the consequences of denying reality. And I, I do think that quote is quite apt because I think I, as soon as I saw that squad, I thought hubris is going to bite them. 
of course it is. It, of course it is. It really, really is, was, did. They played a second string team. They're idiots. They, they are idiots. They played a second string team because they've got the fear of playing <laughs> three competitive games in a, in a row. I know. And so they, they refuse to do that with these seasoned internationals. You've got a squad of... They've got... I don't know, two dozen international players and like, they couldn't trust the best ones of them to play three consecutive weeks in the row. It's so stupid, isn't it? And do you know what? There's only so many times you can disrespect a team like Munster. There's only so many times that you can beat them. You know, they're going to come good at some point. I mean, it's a very proud club. Incredibly proud fans. Um, what were they expecting? I mean, imagine if your greatest rival decides to play a second string team in a semi-final. In a semi-final against you. They deserve everything that they get. Your um, team talk is the easiest thing in the world. I, I, I don't know if you've seen, Tim or Jay, the, um, the uh, Graham Roundtree post-match interview no, on RTE. It is worth watching. It's on, on Twitter. It, it's worth watching because he comes across as incredibly likeable, inc- incredible detail man. Yeah, fantastic guy, fantastic rugby guy. But it was just really, really um, enjoyable to watch, knowing how Munster would have prepared, knowing that Leinster were putting that team yeah, out. It's not like Munster are rubbish. You know, they're not going to, I don't know, Italy to play. No, they're not playing the Border Reavers. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just ludicrous. So one of the things which Leinster have really got to ask themselves and the coaching team, everyone seems to think Stuart Lancaster is a god. Right, and maybe one of the reasons he didn't get England right, and maybe one of the reasons a lot of international teams, don't, oh sorry, international coaches don't succeed, is because international is all about your team selection. You, you've got the best players, just pick the right team, and that'll be fine. All he needs to do is pick the right team. That's all he needs to do. He has he's got one job every year. <laughs> no one so job every year. This this is where I think it's interesting because his. Obviously, like, attributing no success to any one individual, but in collectively, that Leinster coaching setup is excellent. They are getting the best out of the players, but they got it totally, totally wrong in the uh, team selection this week. Genuinely, right? Me, you, and Tim together. <laughs> together, we would have picked the right team. Could we run Leinster? <laughs> broadly speaking, as well as they've been right, I think we probably could. I think we'd, we'd manage a few successful years, but maybe the decline would eventually start to. Yeah, we'd, we'd have won e- equal amounts of URC titles over the last two years. <laughs> the, oh. the devil's advocate position here is that the URC doesn't matter and pales into complete insignificance next to that fifth start. And if next week Leinster are celebrating <laughs> a Champions Cup victory. But do you know, this, Tim, today, this weekend will not matter. I, However, if they lose the Champions Cup final as well, oh my goodness! Yeah, could you imagine? Yes, it happened uh, yeah. last year, and and, and this year, <laughs> you're, it's basically a coin toss as well. It it is just yeah. The next week's game is a coin toss. Um, this week's game, they they could have probably changed. I don't know four or five players and won eighty percent of the time, but they didn't. It just blows my mind how they've messed this up. You've you've only got a hand, handful of games to win, and you've yep. got the best squad in the world. And realistically, I mean, this is this might be the best. This is the difference, right? Between actually, no, 
I'll, I'll save that analogy for the end of this sentence instead, right? So people talk about how great it is to see underdogs rise to the top and win, mm-hmm. right? And that's a cool story. We all have seen it. Or like the unknown guy just show up and become a star. We, we love those narratives. Yes. One of the most underrated narratives, though, are the teams that are really good and they actually pull off what they're meant to do. And I think that is a really special thing. So what I was going to say is this is the difference between Leinster and how great they are and someone like the Crusaders, who actually materially did stuff year after year after year. And in fairness, Saracens too. Saracens did it. Um, Exeter's amazing year when they got yep. the double was was genuinely amazing. Toulouse have done it incredibly. Um, but the, it's a good point. Leinster, every year they should win the URC because um, they have got undoubtedly the best squad. They've yep. got the, the most expensive squad, perhaps the most expensive squad if they were all to go on the open market in the world. Yes. Because they've got they've got two dozen international players. No one else in world rugby can boast that many stars. And so they should be winning. They should be Heineken Cup final every year or semi-final minimum, but they should be winning the URC every year. And they're, they're not. And this year they have the squad... They've got everyone, almost everyone, fit and in form, and they their own hubris, their own arrogance is, is what is what cost them. And also arrogance from a guy in Stuart Lancaster who is renowned for being humble. Well, we don't know who who the selection. Well, he's sat part. With. Yeah, he's part of that setup, right? He's 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 a senior coach, but ultimately, and it's not like all his fault. I'm just it, saying, it, like the book stops with Leo Cullen. Yeah, because but, he is he is. Uh, director of rugby, he's the top guy. I just think the juxtaposition from the, like, oh, the humble nurse we write on our t-shirts, we're going to pick a second team squad to play Munster. It 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 is a bit jarring those contrasting positions. Mm. Did you see any of the game? I saw the highlights. Yes, in fact, I saw the highlights several times. I found some thirty minute ones. I want to see the whole game. Before want- we get into the substance of the game, can I bring up one other thing that you were talking about? Yeah, um, yeah of course. Post match interviews. Great. Uh, Graham Roundtree's got a very simple um, build-up chat. Obviously, the chance to win a trophy for Munster's huge, but did you see Stormers, the, the video of people at the ground at the Stormers watching the end of the Leinster-Munster game? No. no, I've not seen that, but I imagine Quite. they were celebrating. They were celebrating wildly that Munster won. Yeah, well... Obviously, so, that means because they, they get to play a game at home. Yes, that that is half of it, and... From what I saw of the Stormers game, the crowd looked awesome there. Like that—that that is a proper party town with a big crowd, rugby-loving <laughs> yeah. crowd. So that—that that is cool. So, yeah. So they get to play the finals in the URC finals in South Africa again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cape Town. Careful what you wish for with these South Africans. <laughs> you know, let, let, let's yeah. let them into our competition. See how they do. Whoops. Stormers will be heavy favourites in this. Yeah, so pa- partly good. because they've got they have got a, an international team. They've certainly got an international front row. Um, but ju- just show Peter Omani that video of them celebrating. Good point. Monster winning. Yeah, and uh, yeah. God, the URC. You know, I keep going back to it. We were so wrong about the South Africans. I mean, I think we were right on certain points, but without doubt, it has added some real quality to this whole competition. And I did dimension that you know, all these teams just sort of used to cruise the. Cruise the URC. And I think there is still far too much cruising and throwing away games and all the rest of it. I think there's a lot of that still to be ironed out. Yeah, hardly anyone so, takes their property, except for this final that Munster are playing. Hardly anybody takes 
a proper team to South Africa. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a good point. But the South Africans are legitimately good teams. I mean, look at oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the knockouts in the um, European Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, really good teams. It's, it's it's great to see actually because the Super Rugby wasn't doing it for South Africans. They couldn't re- retain their players, but now, now they're well, they're superpowers. Mm. They they really Again, are. And I I think all the judgment on this weekend for Leinster. It, it either gets completely zeroed and eradicated or it gets magnified to a huge degree by what happens next weekend. They know that they're bottlers. It's, the pressure is massively on them next weekend. They have to win that. You're right, Tim. If they win that, it everyone kind of overlooks what happened yesterday I don't against think Munster. Do, you know. I, th- I think they do because they get the fifth star. They They will all be celebrating that. If they lose, which is, in my mind, a coin toss, it will be a disaster of a season for Leinster. La Rochelle are turning into European royalty every bit as majestic as Leinster. And they've got a Munsterman at the helm. And he knows they're weak. I mean, yeah. he said it on... on Was it him or was it Will? It was Wigglesworth, sorry, that said it. Well, if they were that good, they might have won it in the last 11 years. You know, they can't be that, they can't be that heavy favourites. So it's not inevitable. And La Rochelle are bloody good. And they're smart. I mean, they've been through every type of premiership team that there is to go through, you know, from... Oh, no, they didn't go through last, did they? But they did Saracens, they did Exeter, and they did Gloucester. Gloucester. You know, and they all played very differently. And the best one by far was Saracens, because Saracens, for the first time, maybe second time, because I think the first time I saw them comprehensively outcoached was the final against Leicester last year. But La Rochelle were comprehensively better than Saracens tactically. And you never see that. Yeah, yeah, that never is rare. So they'll they'll be ready. They'll absolutely be ready. It's going to be an awesome final. Just yeah, on the great. just on the well, game, uh, or cool. t- well, I was going to just mention a couple of points. One, the disallowed uh, Ryan Baird try, which I absolutely loved. Now, why was it disallowed? It was a knock on from the. Oh, it was yes. Uh, what was it? One of the O'Brien boys um, knocked it. He tried to knock it back. It was a bit in real time. It looked like he knocked it against the Munster. I want to say Omani, but I can't actually remember. Mm. Um, man who was going up for it as well, but he did knock it forward. So it was, I think, it was right to disallow it. But it was awesome seeing a seeing a second row goose step and then go round a fullback. Yeah, he's um, he's got some wheels. <laughs> that was class. And the just the end of the game, I thought for um, Kieran Crowley to step up, get himself in that position. With not mu- not much, Jason Jason Crowley. Sorry, Jason Crowley. Is it Jack Jason or Jack? Kieran Crowley is the Italian coach, isn't he? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> his dad, perhaps. I don't know. Okay. The Italian coach is a, he's a Kiwi, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Let's he's say a Kiwi, Jack Crowley. Jack Jack Crowley. Jack Crowley. Jason Jack. Yes, go. got Jack, there in the end. Jack Crowley, not not Italian coach playing twelve for Munster. Jack Crowley, back in the pocket, but not really. Deep in the pocket to take a, a snap drop goal like that. Fair play, because that was awesome. Yeah, uh, they're, they're up against they're up against against the Stormers, but yeah, this is a, this, both both the finals coming up are going to be awesome. In fact, all three of the finals coming up are going to be awesome. Probably the Premiership finals, the least exciting of all three, which I didn't think I'd say. Um, when, when are we going to talk about the um, the London Sevens that happened this weekend? Oh, <laughs> shall we do that, that now? Because it's actually it's I, well. Can we? Can we? Can I just mention a couple of tiny bits from the yeah, Stormers game? 
Because um, I thought, oh, please, Phil. Yeah. I thought it was an entertaining game. Um, I thought Mac Hansen was awesome for Connacht, um, which I don't like saying because he's um, he's in the Iron Squad ahead of my boy or my boys, but um, Balakun in, in particular. But I thought he was class. But st- some of the Stormers' talent is absolutely outrageous. Um, Libok, who scored two tries, kicked five conversions, crossfield kicks, um, controlling the gate. He's just absolutely ace. Uh, David's or David's the winger was class, and um, Diamani. The he was wearing seven. I'm not sure if he was the open side or blind side, but he's a big, strong boy. Um, he was class throughout, and the, his offload for I think it was the final try was awesome. So Stormers are a hell of a team. And when you've got that, that it, it's got to be the best cl- club front row in world rugby, La Rochelle and Leinster included, Oof. in Kitsoff, Joseph Dweber and Franz Malherb. Well, you say that, the two props are of some quality. Um, Joseph Dweber can scrummage and run, and he's a monster. <laughs> he has, does have some... Um, yeah, he's a bit of a liability in, when it comes to line-out time. But other than that, yeah, I mean, they're big. They, they are big. They're enormous. So fair, fair play to the Stormers. And it does look like they are going to win. Um, back-to-back titles. Back-to-back. Undefeated. 100% record in the URC. Not bad at all, is it? Not bad at all. Quite something. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I thought it was the Army-Navy at Twickenham yesterday, but it turns <laughs> out it's the, seven, the, the London Sevens yesterday, right. and I had no idea about this. Thank yeah, goodness this... For, for journalism letting me know. This is... Um worrying to put it mildly so journalists in fact i've got a few things to say about journalists uh uh, this week um but the way he's written this article i have no problem with the actual content which is we should probably fill you should probably fill in the gaps for anyone that hasn't seen this because it's so this is an article from stephen jones and it is uh, the headline is how sevens became a joyless party damaging rugby this overcomplicated and overcoached sport is now in danger of disappearing into its own conceit i agree with all of that um, <laughs> it sevens is a little bit like Eurovision, gaudy, uh, fun, blah blah blah. Things. Yesterday, yesterday at Twickenham, nearly fifty thousand people were expected for the London leg of the HSBC sevens. Luckily, they didn't go because if they did, they'd have missed it. The London leg of the HSBC sevens is next week. Next weekend. So, I don't mind the content of what he's writing here. I think it's a good article to be writing. It's nice and controversial, nice and opinionated, but you cannot write about something with the sort of implication that you were there and experienced it. And that's the problem. It trashes all of his credibility. Yeah, saying that there's uh, 50,000 were expected, um, and but there was only 20, uh, 25,000 attend today for the finals. Like, it's just, he's just fabricating things. Like It's just he's, making stuff up yeah. to suit the narrative that he has predetermined. Now, for a journalist... That traditionally would have like been that'd be that'd be a death of a career, and it should be a death of a career because you've been caught making stuff up. And if your credibility is important, I mean, look, I'm a podcaster. My credibility is not important. If I, <laughs> if, if I get things wrong, fine. Um, it just doesn't matter, right? Because our brand is not the London, is not the Times of London, and it is not predicated on us being right about things that we things that we write, and also being honest. I mean, quite frankly, quite often I'll be dishonest. But, um, <laughs> you know, when your brand is about honesty and integrity, it, I think he has to be fired for this. I really mean that. And I think the editor well, needs to be fired for this. When I, I thinking about it, 
my first reaction was, is he, did he put the wrong date on it? Like, is he preemptively doing this for next week? Or is he just, is he kind of losing it? But then, as an editor, read this and thought, God, I don't like that Stephen Jones anyway. Let's just let him, <laughs> let him, <laughs> let him get away, let him uh, put it out there and... Whatever, around the, hap- yeah. whatever happens to him happens to him. That's around the redundancies coming anyway. I never liked the guy. Yeah, throw it up there. I'm going to devil's advocate it again, as I did with Leinster. And I'm going to say that, as you've already pointed to, JB, actually, the, the thrust of what he said, whilst it was said before a single uh, ball had been passed or kicked or whatever, I actually agree that Sevens is a distraction and not a comp- not a complimentary partner of the 15-a-side game. Completely agree. I, I have no issue... Somewhat. I have no issue with the actual content of what... of what you, Like, the thrust of the piece. I mean, that wouldn't be my point. Um, I was out for coffee with a friend of mine who was a captain in the Marines. And, like, for him, um, part of it... Well, part of his thing is, like, you need to be credible uh, and, you know, little things matter. So, if you're willing to cheat on the little things, like, what... What about the big? What about the big things? And what does it say about your integrity? And I think that is a huge issue for Stephen Jones in this whole thing. Well, in the substance of this article, was the attempt made to pretend he was there? I think it was he's writing actually. on the basis of what happened. He, he's writing on the basis of what happened because he's he's saying, "Well, this is quote this is verbatim." Yesterday at Twickenham, nearly fifty thousand were expected for the London leg of the HSBC World Sevens. What is more, Twickenham say they expect 25,000 to attend today. Now, it's not, he's not saying he was there, but he is making statements as if something has happened, as if this is a real thing that yeah. happened. The implication is like he's experienced this and he doesn't... I mean, he can write this article, can't he, just with his past experience of sevens. He can, he can write the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a, he could, could, the article's so, fine, so he could the write implication he was... That first paragraph... He all he would need to do is to say, um, next week there are expected to be fifty thousand people, yeah. and full stop, and then continue to write everything that he's going to write in that article. Oh, I'm actually going to defend him a little bit and say that he could have. That he's already got his decision made about sevens, irrespective of what happened at that particular sevens tournament. So he could have written it a week before and filed it next weekend, and it would have been just as fine. Yeah, I, I part of me does suspect that's what he was intending to do, um, and he probably just looked back at the last five years of records. I, I, COVID, I guess COVID there's a little giving. bit. There's a little bit here where um, when you, you it, it's, it's like the, the way you conduct no, yourself can sorry, end up. Bike, sorry, can no, I just no, no, say, can I just say it what? wasn't meant to be filed next week because there's a direct link to Eurovision. Yeah, that's a good point. It was meant to go out that day. He just doesn't know what... He hasn't got a clue what's going on. The editor hasn't got a clue what's going on. And the sinister bit is the implication that he experienced something about about sevens, which... Here's my my point. Here's my point. Had Alex Lowe or Will Kelleher or... Rob Kitson filed this article. People would have gone, "Oops, oh god, no. he, he was got his date. He got his date mixed up. Never mind. Oh well." But they wouldn't uh, but have because it's Stephen, yeah. Stephen well, Jones. There's a little bit of that. Um, what's that? Um, but the Carl date, Rittenhouse. Um, uh, that little mantra that came out of the Carl Rittenhouse. 
F around, find out. Yeah. There's, well, a, there's a little bit of that about it. There is, but I'll tell you, the reason I don't think you're right on that, and I know exactly what you're trying to try, try, try do, just give him like, the benefit of that a bit, but the fact that he's like linked it to Eurovision and whatnot means it wasn't a, the wrong date. He, he meant to put it out on that date. And the other thing as well is it's not the substance of it at all. It is, well, it's a fabrication, and that's the problem. And I don't think the guys that you just listed there would ever fabricate stuff. No, I just don't think that that's that's really important. That journalists do not fabricate things. So I, I guess so. Stephen Jones is a. Uh, I'll use the term so you, do, so you don't have to. You two might actually disagree with it. I I think he is a clickbait writer. He he comes up with controversial opinions to try and get people's blood boiling. Maybe this is his plan. Maybe this is him playing four D <laughs> chess with all of us because he's got more airtime now than since he was crying on the Times podcast about Saracens' yeah. salary cap. Uh, look, I actually well, appreciate well, the his person work. I'd ask about that is JB because uh, I reckon if anyone could get inside the mind of Stephen Jones, <laughs> saying things to get outraged, it would be you. I actually appreciate his work. I, I like I like a contrarian stance. I don't know if you know, I don't know if you're aware of this. But like, if you can think of a contrarian stance and you can flesh it out, by all means, go for it. And I want to hear. <laughs> so I don't mind. I don't think some of his work is some of his work is pretty good, actually. Right? Okay. So we've done Stephen Jones. Can we talk about other things that that didn't that didn't happen this week? Yes, please. So other things that didn't happen this week. Have you seen the report in the Wales on Wales Online that Mike Bubbins had to uh, abandon a game as a match referee because of the abuse he got from five year old boys or something? <laughs> I, I, unsurprisingly, I didn't see that. Actually, <laughs> I saw this, and I, th- I well, two things that I thought. Uh, first of all. This definitely didn't happen. So um, that would be, that'd be the first. <laughs> More lies. Brilliant. Uh, and the second thing is, if it did happen, and you know, abuse from the parents of five-year-old boys or abuse from five-year-old boys is too much for you, maybe it's not the sport for you. you know, maybe, maybe life isn't for you. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's just, just grow up. Grow up and deal with it. This is what we're creating, people who can't deal with abuse from five-year-old boys. I mean, God knows what they said. Did, would one boy say he wanted to be a girl and the other boy said you're a boy and that was just too much for Mike? I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, that was another hilarious thing. But um, there was another point I wanted to make about the media as well, which is this week they have been covering the, re- the official release of the wording of the RFU high tackle stuff. Oh. And... You know, I don't know why this doesn't get... I don't know whether the journalists in the mainstream media don't have enough bandwidth to cover this, whether they don't care, whether they don't think their readers care enough, because ultimately they are just trying to sell copy. That's what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But it is very, very odd that the term belly tackle has come up again. When they said they were going to... They, they started with the term belly tackle, and then they started lying about anatomical waste, waste, anatomical waste, um, and, yeah, and all the rest of it. They consulted to see where the tackle height should be, and then they came straight back to the belly tackle. So we're, we're, we're back to exactly where they said that we would be before any consultation happened. And no one thinks to question this. No one's thought, yeah, let's get the RFU on the phone. Let's really hold their feet to the fire. And every time they say, we have been led by the science, they just quote it as if they've been led by, by the science. No, the BBC haven't questioned them. Uh, the Guardian, the Times, all of these serious rugby outlets have never once questioned the RFU on the fragrant lies about following the science. It isn't science-based, right? The things that they're saying just are not true, and yet nobody is covering it. Brilliant. And also, why are they not picking up on the same language being used originally before the consultation, making it reappearing? It was clearly decided before the consultation, and yet there's no questions. There's no, no one is accountable. No one answers anything. 
So has there but been? Let me just jump in with an email here. Contactchasers.gmail.com. Yeah, oh, sorry, Phil. No, no. Say what you're going to say, and then I'll. You, you go, Tim. You sure. You go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Neil, Neil Osgood uh, emailed in. Contactchasers.gmail.com, and he uh, firstly wants to lay claim to having introduced us to the uh, Boulevardier. No, based Negroni. No, he did not. Um, I got that. Would you believe it? From I think Talk Radio had a cocktail show on, and I was driving back from sale. And they were like, oh, I try a bol- try a Bolvardier. So that's where I got it from. That's right. Well, he said he sent us a tweet. He said he sent us a tweet on the matter in December of 2020. Well, but, if he introduced uh, you anyway, two to Bolvardier, that was def- a great service. Yeah, that was definitely my first um, uh, But awareness. the substantive part of his email was, um, he just said, I wonder if anyone else is hearing, is fed up hearing about, quote, the science, <sighs> as if the whole scientific scientific body agrees about the thing they're talking about yes yes um he said world rugby rfu using this type of approach with the new tackle height laws um one will find well-educated scientists that disagree on practically everything yes Uh, and he says bill bill sweeney said quote our decision making has been guided by scientific insights to create a safer environment for our players and the evidence supporting this initiative is clear and undeniable Undeniable. This is laughable. Undeniable. He's laughable. He is laughable. Well, Neil says, surely surely this is laughable. The amount of evidence they've used is ludicrous. The control for different variables non-existent. So please stop calling it, quote, the science. uh, And let's look at the weight of scientific opinion based on well-methodized trials. If a body of excellently researched, peer-reviewed scientists say we need to, quote, make the game safer... Then we should listen. Whoa, 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 not wait, necessarily wait, wait, wait. action, not necessarily action, but sure, listen. But quote the science is, as you have pointed out, so flawed that it discredits science itself. I, I thank you, Neil. That is an excellent email because it agrees with everything that I think. Um, <laughs> but for, yeah, yeah, I, I'm not going to add uh, um, any more. So I think that's a good email. That yeah. basically sums up. Sums up everything, I think. Yeah, well, very good. Well, let me quickly let me quickly jump onto a different email because I I feel we act like a uh, we 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 have a service that goes beyond rugby. And Adam Taylor's uh, emailed contact Ted Chasers at who else does it go email. to dot com and just said um, he's been trying to find uh, a, a discussion on coffee machines from a previous episode. He's now <laughs> in the market to purchase one and needs some recommendations. Says he's not fussed about LCD screens. He's no. simply looking for something that will make a bloody good espresso. You want. Good and mechanical. And all he knows so far is that he doesn't need a Lamarco, la, a Lama, Lamarzocco or Lamarco. What was it? Lamarzocco. Um, Lamarzocco. So he doesn't need. I, that. I, I was a couple of cups every day. Yeah, I was looking at the Lamarzocco Linear Mini 2021 Fiorentina edition, but I can't afford it right now. Maybe, maybe in a few years' time. Yeah. I, you want mechanical. You want mechanical reliability. Uh, I have got a rocket, and I love it. If you look up rocket es- espresso machines, they're very, very cool. Yours is very cool. It is a beautiful thing. It's, isn't a, it? it's very expensive as well. Yes. Uh, I have. I think Tim, have you got the same as me? We've both got Sage. Uh, You're still using your Sage, the Barista is, Express. Yeah, I've had it for eight years now. I'm sure you've saved thousands of pounds on coffee by now. I know I've saved my coffee machine has paid for itself yeah. several times over. Seven years out of the. Eight years. It'll be eight, eight years. years. This it's eight years this month. Yeah. Um, uh, but 
I'm for the last like three years. I've been praying it breaks like, every, <laughs> every every time. So, I, I, but I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get a new one until it breaks down. Do you know how Do you know how polite that I am, Tim? <laughs> this is. Oh, a good I know st- how polite you are, Jay. Yeah, this is a good story. I'm so polite that I drove. Was it sulfuric acid that you served? <laughs> it was. It was a um, decalcifying agent. I think it was very. I want to say very alkaline. <laughs> <laughs> so Claire didn't tell me that she was uh, decalcifying the machine. So I made JB just a normal coffee, normal double espresso with this um, extremely alkaline agent within the system. And JB's like, oh, that coffee's a bit bitter, isn't it's a bit, it? A bit sour, this, isn't yeah. it? Because um, Phil's such a... Um, well, <laughs> he's so avant-garde with all of his stuff. Uh, I started drinking that out. Oh, he must have, he, he must mean to do this. There's no he's so precise. There's no way he would serve me something like this. It, it must it must be good. Yeah, nearly killed JB. Yeah, very close. So the the answer to your question, Adam, is you, you cannot look past a, a Barista Express for the, like the five hundred pound mark. Yeah, or even it is the best you can get. Uh, other than that, you need to take the leap to fifteen hundred or two grand, basically. Two grand, I think, is where it's at now. Yeah, I think so. They they are good. Everyone I know who's got the um, Sage thinks it is good. Sale Sharks use that very expensive one, which you just said, which I can't read. Lamar, Zocco. Yeah, they've, they've got one of those. They, you often see them in, in good. They they do, so the Linear Mini, which is, that's like a four or five grand machine. That's, Charles Play? That's, um, like, that's their cheap at home one. If you ever look at their, like, um, the ones that you get in coffee, like actual good coffee shops mm-hmm. they're like 10 12 15 grand kind of stuff there's this serious serious gear that's a that's six nations money for us <laughs> right okay not anymore it's not, not gb yeah not anymore not for me it's not see you later. I'm, I'm also just going to wrap up as soon as we're going through the emails i'll just go through them now um gavin hegarty one of many people who's let you know that it's via play who have yes all the top 14 rugby Yes. And they and they were they are what Premier Sports was. So you may well, without realising it, actually have a subscription to oh, Play. I do, but I've just never seen anything on on that channel. I watched a no. quarter of the quarterfinals the other day on Viaplay. Mm. So, yeah, uh, and I should have known that because I've actually worked for Viaplay twice this season. <laughs> <Have you> really? <laughs> I do what? I didn't even know that. On the it was on ch- uh, Challenge Cup matches. Oh really? Was it? Oh cool. One challenge cup match, and there was one something I can't remember where else it was. Anyway, anyway. so yeah, I've, I've I've worked for them and, and didn't know. So, um, yeah, should, should we do pre- do Premiership semi-finals because I kind of think that's what most people like. Yeah, let's, let's do it. That's what most of our listeners are here for. So, well, there's only one real semi-final. Yeah, the despite Northampton's spirited fight back in the first half of the second half. Yeah, it always felt like this was going one way. I am so bored of Northampton. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I was convinced. I was convinced that they were going to win. Right at what point? Uh, Saturday morning. Okay, I, I put yeah, all that... my bets. I looked at the two teams. I was like, do you know what? Saracens are aging. You know, they have been found short in a couple of big games. Northampton are getting better and better and better. They score points. If they can make this into a, like a tit for tat point scoring battle, Northampton can do this. And then Northampton went and did exactly what you expect Northampton to do. There was yeah. no fight in them. There was no graft in them. I thought the comms team got a few things very wrong about the Northampton style of play. Um, they were talking about how physical Northampton are in defence. like, you're not watching the same team that I am. 
haven't they conceded the most points in the league bar maybe one yeah, or two like, comfortably the most points yeah it might actually be the most points in the league well I mean you're not stopping many people with Dingwell Finn, Finn Smith and uh, Hutchinson as lovely as they are as players going forward they have some deficiencies going backwards uh, they've conceded against uh, they've conceded five fewer points than Newcastle who finished last <laughs> only five fewer that that's so, it. So, yeah, second bottom, but they are top of all the attacking stats. Exactly. Yes, they are. So, uh, you know, for me, the biggest part, well, the biggest failure for Northampton was not getting over the try line in the first five minutes. I think if they do that, things sort of fall into place a little bit more for them. But it's disappointing, you know. I thought that Trevor Davidson was going to make a huge impact because finally they've got someone who's a bit wiser on the scrum. Mm-hmm. He is good at that. Um, Courtney Law's been back. Ludlam's been back. Augustus, that's a nice back row. Yeah, Ribbons is, you know, allegedly hard enough to go to Toulon. So, you know, there are bits and pieces in that pack that make it not a joke. But then they, they were a joke. There's no choice about it. You, they, they were not a semi-final standard team. They were just moved in that first 30 minutes. They were, when they didn't score after five, they were moved too easily around the park and around the field. Yeah. Uh, and that little short kicking game that Saracens so used a couple of times broke them down far too easily. You have to question the back three in that yeah. position, particularly well, Furbank. Well, you have to question their preparation, don't you? Because you know what Saracens bring, broadly speaking. You know they're going to be fairly clever. And we've seen the short-kicking game. It's not mm. the, first time that the, the first time that they've ever used it. And they're just completely naive. And some of their defensive errors, I mean, it goes to the point that you think, are they even practising defence? And maybe they're not. And that's a serious point. Maybe the emphasis is so much on attack and possession that if defence is like, one day a week. Yeah, and I can I can understand that because the point that you always make, JB, it's all about trade-offs. Yep. Um, and maybe the trade-off was, because some of their defence was okay, but that in the first half, they that short kicking game um, caught them out and maybe they were just trying to be too physical on the gain line and they, that left them the, the blind spot of in behind them. Well, funny enough, that's exactly what Combs said. So Combs said, the way Northampton are going to try and stop Saracens is going to be physical on the gain line. I was like, well... I mean, they'll they're fight. not. They're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, Good luck. They, they can do that, but then they, there's the trade-off. But, you know, physical on the gain line is what Tompkins looks like and Lazowski. They are, they are physical on the gain line. Farrell is physical on the gain line. Um, Ding, Dingwall can be. Hutchinson, <laughs> less so. But like, you know, less they so. can be. But then the boys I've just named on the Saracens side take it up another level. It's like yeah, yeah. they relish it. It's like they want to do that. And sometimes when you're watching guys try and be physical but not enjoy it it's just not the same thing like you just know Lazowski loves banging people and Tompkins loves banging people the the other time where the defense kind of went AWOL and it was the last five minutes but that Malin's try at the end it was basically Faz round the back a wide pass to Elliot Daly at pace and a wide pass to Malin's and he just walks into the corner yeah that was they were the Northampton defense was so narrow and it two two wide passes and, 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 the, and there's no one there, which again I think was I think it was Furbank kind of misread that outside the wide channel there. Yeah, um, Northampton. I don't know. What, I've, but, I've concentrated a lot on Northampton. Um, what there's not really much to say about Saracens because they were so Saracen-y. They're so well organised. You know, they just know what they're doing. But I, th- I think you're right. The Saracens team it's it's got less depth than previous Saracens teams uh, because. The salary cap has decreased 
and they're also apparently within the salary cap now. So they've they've had the double whammy. Most teams have just had the single whammy of the salary cap reduction. Yeah, they had to get down to the salary cap and then go then, to get the reduction. Well, well, on Saracens, I have a theory. Well, I'd also add they're without two, uh, three international back row players as well. Well, that's it. That, that is that is a great point. They're missing three back row players, and they still absolutely dominated Northampton. Yeah, I mean, but I do think they will not have it all their own way next week. Oh, sorry, in two, two weeks. In two weeks. Time. Well, let's come to that in a second. Um, let's just st- stick on Saracens and their future because I have a feeling. I have a very strong feeling that they're going to find it. As difficult, if not more difficult, than extra finding it when they have to replace their squad. I think I think you're right. I think there could be several England players who have stayed with them for a long time who could go post World Cup or shortly yeah. thereafter because they're coming during the twilight of their career. They will have one big move to Japan or France. Billy says he's staying. Has he signed a contract as well? Has he? I'm not sure he has, but he says he's mm. staying. Right. So, I mean. Uh, he must have a massive pay cut to stay. He just must. There's no so bad. So my th- unless unless they're getting getting rid of a load of other people. Yeah, it's one of those two things. Well, my theory is this, right? That when the salary cap thing happened, the players very much felt incredibly loyal to Saracens because they'd been well looked after, legally or illegally. They'd been well looked after, mm-hmm. and because of that, I think it's going to be very hard for the Saracens boys to move anywhere in England. They're going to stay basically with Saracens. Yeah, they're, and, when, they're not, and there's no money in England anyway. Yeah. They're not going to they're not going to stay in England. So as such apart Sa- from Maylins who's going to Bristol. Saracens are sort of like stuck with these with these um with these aging internationals. They've got loyalty both ways. That divorce is going to be very 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 messy. They can only keep Farrell or Otoji. I don't think you can keep both. Yeah. And they're obviously letting go of Maylins in order to keep I don't know, um, Elliot Daly Earl? or Earl. I mean, or Earl's Wazowski. must be worth a fortune. Think, think how much um, Theo McFarland would be worth in France. Yeah, I mean, all these boys are going to have to re-sign soon, and they're going to have to make a decision: Do we stick with the aging international who might stay for a discount, like a Maka or a Billy, or maybe even an Owen? A- Alex Good is staying. Alex Good, he's thirty-five now. Yeah. So, do they stick with the aging players? Because they're still going to be better for than what they can get for the same money elsewhere, or do they turn over that squad? And eventually, they'll have to turn over that uh, squad. Let's just enjoy them now, rather than talking about what they're going <laughs> no, to. No, Tim. No, because this is the beauty of final. this is the beauty of sport. You get to sort of uh, mess around with the permutations and imagine what's going to happen in the future. This is why we enjoy it. Enjoy just enjoy them now. No, <laughs> we can no, do. I mean, like, we can do both. Know, there's times to have a discussion about how Saracens' squad looks like in two years' time, but. What, two weeks before a Premiership final? Well, let's not talk about them in isolation then. Let's do the next game and let's bring it all together towards the end. This was a proper semi-final, wasn't it? Wow, this is good. After 30 minutes in the Saracens-Northampton game, you knew what was go- you knew who was going to win it. After, with 20 minutes to go um, in this game, until that Aaron Reid try that gave them the, whatever it was, eight-point gap, well, even the penalty. No, it was the penalty. The penalty. Yeah. Gap. That, that yeah. try gave him a five-point gap. Yeah, this did. This looked so. Yeah, it was only the last ten minutes really that there was a, a little bit of daylight. This you did not know which way this game was going to go. No, to the, the, the moment you knew which way it was going to go was when uh, Charlie Atkinson missed touch. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Coms had a thing this week uh, in this game saying, you know, in order for to beat Sales' physicality on the game line. 
We've got to be physical with them on the game line. To a degree, yes. If you're La Rochelle, yes, you can do that. I don't think any other team in the Premiership can do that sale. And I think Leicester, broadly speaking, understood that. And I think their tactics were right too. There was so much box kicking, which were... isn't a surprise. Yeah. Now, if you're a rugby fan, or you say you're a rugby fan, and you don't like kicking, you are mad. You are absolutely wild, right? The first box kick from Leicester was so exciting because Ben Youngs is teeing up. He knows exactly where it's going to go. He is an expert, and Leicester just released the hounds. And I think that is one of the most exciting sort of throwdowns in all of rugby, which is we're going to kick you the ball. We're going to send these savages to get it back. And by the way, you're allowed to, you're allowed to come at us because we absolutely back ourselves. And to make it even more exciting... Bloody Carpenter gets in the air like a salmon. I was like, right, well up for it. So that, that is like... Carpenter's first take was oh, his ace, wasn't it? I mean, if that's the opening exchange, you're like, yeah, this is going to be a real, real contest. If you don't like, if you can't understand why the kicking game and the kick chase is really great, you just don't get the game. What I would say on that... And then, and then on the flip side, you had uh, George Ford chucking up the odd spiral bomb. <laughs> yes. yes. The spiral bomb is always... Well, that, that never is... spiralling. <laughs> That's the first thing I mentioned about spiral bombs. Um, what what I would say about the box kicks, there was a couple of ace ones, but too many of them were just too deep, and it let Carp- Carpenter um, and Freddie Stewart both did excellently, but so many of them were just ten yards too deep. Yeah, so they catch it under no pressure and can get footwork on. So I I love a good, a well executed box kick, but when you're doing it. Um, I've got them in front of so it was 36 from Sale and 37 kicks from hand from Leicester which is, which is a lot yeah, it is but it didn't feel it's, watching it's, it it didn't feel like it's two a minute of ball in play who cares well I mean, no, I, so, so yeah. I, I care that is a lot I care when the, when 40% of them are good when too well, far too I, so many of them I are too deep I would say like the positioning of those fullbacks and You'd have to understand what they wanted to do with the kicks, but also the position of the fullbacks, the quality of the fullbacks, the quality of the back three in general. I mean, on Leicester's side, you've got the England fullback, presumably on the wing, and then the other England fullback at fullback. And Potter's not bad either. Potter's very handy. Carpenter is turning into an absolute star. That has to be the next England fullback. Car- I think Car- has to be. Problem is England a stat, but I think Carpenter was class. No. I, I think he's been. Oh, I think qual- he's. I think he's great, but I think it's over egging the pudding to say he's England's next fullback. He has to be. I mean, I just, he is operating at such a high level now. I, I really do think he's class. Yeah. But he's, the problem is, he's in a position that's absolutely stat with talent. He's class, but he's not not unique, is he? And Stewart is unique. Stewart is unique. Um, and does he have the? outright top end top end stuff of someone like Henry Arundel no no but do you know who he is he's Mike Brown he's the <laughs> second not... coming of Mike Brown yeah it's not a bad analogy I mean uh... Mike, Mike Brown it took ages because he was against Foden and Goode yeah both of who had um Foden was faster and Goode had more tricks in his locker very but yeah, Brown too... was he was always my favorite of the three Stewart's amazing right but Stewart makes mistakes. People keep forgetting he makes mistakes. Defensive reads, and he drops balls. And they all say, oh, he's the best in the world going up in, in the air. He's the best 80% of the time. But then the other 20%, he does drop the ball. He, in fact, he dropped two. Uh, if, if you're going to talk about limitation of Freddie Stewart, I, I think it's, it's just pure gas. And we talked about hmm. England 
uh, in the 2019 World Cup. Yeah. When actually, pretty good. England just had gas, gas, gas. Yeah. Pace kills. Mm. Really does. You've, you've got to have. Because if in international rugby, you you might only get one or two half chances a game. Mm. And if you're not fast enough to finish the one or two half chances, you can't be out there. Yeah. So my criticism of Leicester, and it's still a criticism of Leicester, is I love their style of play. I love the pressure-based game. I love how it's, sort of, it's all bolted together and it all sort of works. But where it comes apart for them, in my mind, is they're not good enough at executing when they need to score tries. So when they get into 22, they try and do, you know, they, they, they're just not good enough at rugby in the 22 to score tries, unless it's a driving wall. Sale, on the other hand, seems to have that nailed. That first try from Sale was a thing of beauty. The rule book try. Yeah. With like, the missed pass. It was, it was Carpenter, wasn't it? Yeah. Put the fi- final pass in. So, oh, was it Dupree? It might have been. Matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but someone put in a great final pass, right? But the build up play, I think before the try, just the running lines, the angles, the precision that Sale use when they're when they're attacking now. I mean, it's like the two thousand and twelve version, ball in hand, Tom Brady sale. It's that good. Mm. It is a yeah. re- really, right. really good. I, I'm actually gonna say just overall, zooming out big picture stuff, Sale have had a a really good season regardless of what happens in the final. Agreed. And they're actually delivering on their potential and the talent they've got in their squad and it's it's, it's a lovely blend of Saffers and young local lads. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really good. I also think we've got to remember that Richard Wigglesworth I think has done a really good job yeah. at Leicester this season turning, to, get, turning them, to yeah. get them to the semi-final at one point looked well beyond him. Well, yeah, we say that and I do agree with you on the table, but what no one was talking about Leicester was the run of home games that they had when they were in that position. So internally at Leicester... I was I think, talking about it. Oh, okay, well then, so maybe he didn't do that good then. Or do, or do, do sorry, or do that well. Um, no, I think, I, th- I, think he, I think he did very he, well. In a really difficult season when his coaching, the, the spine of his coaching team got ripped out, I think, he, I think Leicester had done really well. Yeah, well, I think they were prepared for that. That's the other thing as well. It was inevitability that both could go. But they just didn't quite know when. So it was all well, sort of. So, so let me let me add one further thing to it. So, I think we've been talking about how good Rob Dupree has been at fly half, and he was in the <laughs> he was in the BT Sport Dream Team, and he was absolutely at, outstanding. At you, fly half, you saw at fly half. Good you man. saw today the class of George Ford, who was one of the players who Leicester didn't have today, but they had in their team last year when they won it. Yeah, uh, and. And Leicester did not have the player that they signed to replace him. And I think actually, when you when you look, rather than saying, oh, Leicester didn't do this, Leicester didn't do that, I think ultimately you could make a strong argument that had Leicester had their replacement for George Ford, they quite likely would have been in the final. And uh, it, it can just come down to that. I mean, without a doubt, Andre Pollard has been far, far better and far more effective than I thought that he'd be. And he would make a difference. Uh, yeah, I, I actually think George Ford was the point of difference today. So I exactly my point. Yeah, I, I would have loved to see that game with Andre Pollard or even George Ford in a Leicestershire, which is kind of where where they were last year. He's almost the same team, with the exception of Genge. Yeah, to where they were last year, and they won the whole thing. Yeah, I think George Ford's wearing a Leicester shirt. Leicester win that one. Andre Pollard's playing for Leicester, and it's a total coin toss, and that's. 
that's that's fa- like fair play all round. Sale were, uh, earned the right to be at home, and maybe that just made the difference. So, sort of post morteming anything as a failure or characterising anything as particularly bad, I, I just don't see that with Leicester. I think I think it was. I don't think anyone would call Leicester season a failure. Would, would you? I I wouldn't call it a failure. I definitely wouldn't. No. No, I don't think. Well, I, yeah. well, okay. Well, pointing to uh, making too much of any point of failure, um, like they they don't finish well enough. Or, oh, they or, don't. Or, or, I mean, that is just a fact. Like of all the things that they do, because of their pressure based game, when they are down there, they need to convert their points because they don't get down in the, down in the twenty two enough. And actually, the point of difference it could have been George Ford the way that he ran that show, but actually, Leicester in general this season have not been good enough in that final 22 when they've got to play a bit of rugby to get in the corner. They should be drilled almost like a rugby league team with those lines and angles and just get over the game line because that's what they need to do. You're saying they're not good enough with ball in hand? Not good enough with ball in hand. Whereas <laughs> Sale were excellent, <laughs> in part. And, and, and that's the other feature of Sale is, despite Mike Forshaw going, their defence has continued to be outstanding. It's almost like... What I said about Mike Forshaw when he went to Wales was entirely true. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. Maybe it's because they've put in su- he put in such good systems that the exactly carries maybe, on. Maybe he just left the manual on the table. Yeah, and then read the manual. Exactly. That's what, that's what happened. So well, well done, Sale. Yeah. Now, I'll throw this out to Tim first. Break down the final for me, Tim. Uh, the upper tier of, of Twickenham is empty. Oof. <laughs> Oof. I, do well, know, I think Sale will travel in from, from a, Again, from a spectacle point of view, these are the two or two of the three least supported clubs in the Premiership. Yes. Right, or th- two of the bottom four. Yeah, yes. so I, the one thing I'd say about this week is it, for the first time in ages my phone has been going with people asking can i get sale tickets or you go into the game there's actually some real interest now saracens they go to lots of finals yeah they're not that well supported but also they're spoiled aren't they really you know if you like finals and whatnot saracens are always in one of them they've had too many yeah, yeah. i think sale will travel in force now will it be enough to fill twickenham no no but you know well it, did you see the aj bell stadium i i, I think there were Quite. I'm not saying this to criticise Sale. I'm, I'm saying this as a massive. Um, this is this is that Leicester are an exceptional rugby club. I think it's quite quite likely there were more Leicester fans than Sale fans at the AJ Bell Stadium. That's Leicester, isn't it? I mean, they are the biggest club. Well, it, I mean, exactly. they might be the biggest so, club in the world still. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, to, when it's a twelve thousand seat, you should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Stadium, and at least 6,000 Leicester fans travel up to then then expect 
more than 6,000 sale fans yeah. to travel down to London. That's a good point. It's fanciful, I think. I, think I just don't think it's happening. I think more fans will go than you realise. I think there'll be... It's not happened, has it, for 12 years? Uh, more? 12, 12 or 13 years it was since sale one? It's more than that. It was 2006. 17 years. No, it was a 10-year anniversary, like, not so long ago. Seven years ago. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, because Wigglesworth and um, Wigglesworth is like one of the few players still playing. Yeah, two thousand. I'm sure it's two thousand six. No, it's not. No, it's later than that, mate. Is it two thousand six? Two thousand seven? Thirteen years. Two thousand six. Two thousand six when they won it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's two thousand six. So how many years is that? Uh, Thirteen. Uh, sorry, seventeen. Seventeen, Exa- 17 exactly. years. So seven <laughs> like, years ago was the ten year anniversary. I told you. <laughs> God, it feels it feels like we're just celebrating like the other day. <laughs> oh, well. Life comes oh, by the way, fast, this is, this is to criticize. Uh, I'm not saying this to criticize or have a moan or anything. I'm just it's just it's just the reality of it. Did you see? Um, did you see the General Ross interview before the game, where he got asked? Was it painfully South African? What was it? What did it like? What was it like when you first came here? And he said, "When I first came here, no one was watching in the stands." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, you definitely went to the right place." Yeah. And then he, he did go on to say, but it's amazing that like, we brought some brilliant players in and now the stands are always bouncing. Like There's a real real atmosphere to the club. And, and I have to say, I was there uh, two months ago to watch the Saracens game, the the prequel yeah. for, for the final. It was bouncing. It was absolutely... It was heaving. It's full. Not, I tell you what, not I, an empty seat. The, the corporate sale is great. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you, There are bits of it they've really worked hard on and it. Yeah. It's going in the right direction. I am certain of that. It's quite funny, actually. That the um, so I'm on a. It's one of those WhatsApp groups where do you, do you know that you have WhatsApp groups sometimes that you're added to and you want to leave, but you don't want to be rude. Oh my when God. it says so and so has left. You want to see the rugby group that I was added to? I had to. <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't bear it for much longer. I was on a rugby group. So it's, right? it's basically Broughton Park Youth Rugby, and it's it's all the different coaches of all the age groups. And anyway, uh, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, um. Or whatever the some of the Broughton Park minis were asked, would you like to would you like to come and play uh, touch rugby at halftime of the semi final game? Whenever the sailor achieved the semi final a couple of weeks back, mm. and they were like, yeah. And then then they got sent through the ticket prices. Now this is a supply and demand thing. In the past, when when local mini rugby teams have have been asked to come along to games, they might have got some complimentary tickets, or the parents might have been able to get their tickets for a tenner if you bring your kid along and that's part of the reason why they do all the touch rugby at halftime is just mm. one way to try and pump up the actual tickets that they haven't managed to sell yeah. which is yeah. quite a lot in the case of sale for a lot of the games which is fair enough but so on this particular occasion the, the what what was sent through was yeah you can your kid can come along and play halftime in the semi-final child tickets are a fiver and adults is whatever it was 25 30 quid so like full fa- yeah. face value and cheap kid tickets and that whatsapp group was kicking off about how out of order it is how rude it is i can't believe they're doing to that they're stitching us what what do they really? what, uh, what it's not what free though is it yeah it's professional yeah, well, sport. No, and, and i was thinking yeah. it, it's a premiership semi-final yeah like, it's not honest to even get the, yeah i mean imagine if just just put it the other way around okay what if you bought a ticket to the champions league semi-final i mean you'd be honored just to have the Ability to have the option to buy one, let alone your yeah. kid run onto the you know, run onto the pitch. That is, because people are the wild when it comes to rugby. Wild, 
Like, it's so, not so then they put so then they pulled they pulled the teams in protest and oh said no we God. don't want to play and then someone was there at the ground today and took a picture of the pitch and posted it on the group took a picture of the pitch and there was only a couple of teams playing at half time and it was all all oh, it's a look at the lack of touch rugby going on on the pitch today just it's like I don't know. It just felt slightly entitled. Or, or, or it is entitled. It's absolutely it's a entitled. Premier, it's a Premiership semi-final. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And these clubs, they've got to make money. Like, they, yeah, it's a privilege <laughs> to watch these guys play. It is it's an absolute you're privilege. Watching, you're watching a dozen international stars. More, more than that, I mean, George Ford is one of the greatest Premiership players. Players in he's well, one of the, the greatest in Premiership history. Yeah, he's, he's one of the best like, players in the world. Yeah. Uh, okay, you, and you could have you could have had uh, Ford versus World Cup winner Pollard. Yeah, Pollard. That's worth twenty twenty five quid on its own. It's if that's what 100% it is, hundred percent it is. My or whatever word. it was, whatever the price was, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. it was the it was the point that oh yeah I'm, oh god yeah I'm well up for my kid playing at halftime. <laughs> what I have to buy a ticket? No. I know. I know. I know. Ridiculous. Oh well. Oh well. Um. So the stands will be empty. Have you got any predictions, Phil? <laughs> Um, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I, I, yeah. And part of that is, I was buoyed. So I've not seen as much, none of us have seen as much as George Ford as we would have liked to this season. Mm-hmm. Um, although many Shark fans had a premiership um, fly half of the year um, to make up for it. Yep. But watching him today, watching some of his kicking, some of the ways he controlled the game, some of the... There was once in the in the first half where there was a loose ball, and is this when he kicks it to touch? No, it wasn't that one. Oh. It was the loose ball that he scoops up, and defends are on top of him, and he just does this half show to fix the defender. I think it was um, is it Potter defending against him, who's an international centre. Yep. Um, this half show just to fix Potter to get him to bite into him and then just popped it through to Carpenter, which created a hole for Carpenter. It was this, this fraction of a second thing, it, and it was totally unplanned because it was a bouncing ball. It's like, that is absolutely class. Yeah, the one I liked from him today was when he kicked the ball to touch. So it's just exactly 72 what... Minutes, 72 minutes when Leicester had just been attacking. Yeah, and just pinged it straight Turn, in. Turnover ball, and he just... Got yeah. it just millimetres inside the touchline. Exactly. What the other thing is. I loved yeah. is, you know, uh, some people might say it was a, you know, a, an accident, but he obviously recognised that he couldn't pass the ball directly to Aaron Reed's hands, and he bounced it off the surface <laughs> to, for the for the winning try. Oh, I was That's so class. gutted for Reedy today. So he makes that beautiful break and the most unnecessary forward pass in the oh, history of forward passes. Yeah. I'm like, this is just. To me, that is the story of his season so far. He should, he should be Premiership top trying to try score by a country mile because he is so fast, and yet it just it just doesn't quite get the quite like, quite the right bounce. So I was delighted that he got the bouncing ball because yeah. that is exactly the sort of thing which doesn't break yeah, his way. The right bounce on the re- bouncing ball, but then to make that wonder try, which is what it would have been, um, to pull it forward, it's like oh no, no. But, it it yeah. is ace to see. Like you mentioned it before, Tim, the mix of kind of local lads and Saffers generally is where it's gone, uh, with a couple of exceptions. But to see that back three of Carpenter, Rubik yeah. and Reed, and to see War and Rafi Quirk, and to see some of the the local lads... Um, like McIntyre. Like McIntyre and like George Ford, who've come back into the fold, it's class. Yeah, so 
one of the thought this is exactly the thought I had actually when I saw that back three, which is during uh, Dimes' tenure, we were told over and over again about the amount of talent in the in the area, the amount of kids coming through, and the same names always came up: Wilkinson, Doherty, Reed, Roebuck, um, Quirk. Quirk. Not so much; he's a bit younger. Okay, but like the sort of that age group, and they never really came. Uh, Ashman, mm. um, they never really came through. I, 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 they've never been the stars that I thought 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 that they would be. I thought today was a bit was a bit of a turning point. Mm. And it took getting rid of Steve Diamond to actually bring that. No, it did through. not. No, it did not. It's just how it happened. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I love, just I'm just reminded. Just remind you of Diamond's tenure, right? It's a five year plan, and and we're we're looking to. This is year five. <laughs> this is year five, mate. And On then, rails. And then and then three years in, when it was going really badly, and they finished ten. Right, this is year zero. Starting now is year zero. <laughs> <laughs> that is like the um, the halftime teams that we've all been in games where we're either fifty points up or. 50 points down at half time and someone always says nil nil it's nil nil from here lads lads. no it's not we're losing by 50 points we need a different strategy to nil nil (laughs) Uh, yeah what was the um, someone was it Leicester scrum coach who said we just want to stick to the plan yeah so he gets interviewed this is a stupid thing to say we just want to stick to the plan what if it's not working what if your plan's not working have you ever heard of him say yeah our plan is terrible. Yeah. Throw the plan <laughs> out the window. Scrap it. Start again. It's just one of those... Ter- Do you know last week when we said, like, you've got... Uh, as soon as the cliches come out, you terminate the interview and you find the club £10,000. That, that should be one of them. Immediately, just cut off his mic and we return to the game and then Leicester handed a £10,000 fine. Stick to Just on other premiership news... Mm. Uh, am I right in saying that? Um, so London Irish have been giving a dead, given a deadline for the end of the month, and it's still not su- certain that this American consortium of cash is actually going to come through. Yeah. Now they they paid the players, didn't they? And my understanding was that money was coming from this consortium. Yeah. I, I could be wrong about that, but they paid their April salaries were like. Did I hear that Ray late. Lewis is involved in this? <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. Crikey. Crikey. Mm. Yeah, so hopefully that is coming through. But uh, am I right in saying, because again, I'm in Greece and detached from this, but one of the people that's away on holiday uh, with us, he said that Exeter Chiefs have announced they're in a, that things are a bit dicey there. Is they are right? dicey. They're dicey everywhere. Uh, dicey, absolutely everywhere. I mean, Exeter, I mean, you know, because of some mental, mental campaign by some mental people who are, um, well, mentally unstable, actually in literally some of their cases, uh, you know, forced Exeter's hand for this whole rebrand for the money that they didn't that, that they didn't have, and then there's COVID. And, like, it's a whole Swiss cheese thing. You know, one of these things can happen, but for all of them to happen simultaneously, it's been devastating for them. Mm. And on top of that, the reputational damage that these idiots... And BT Sport can hang their head in shame for this as well, having some Native American scholar try and lecture us all on how awfully racist that we are, facilitating... Uh, uh, facilitated by their staff, um, you know, the damage to Exeter has been massive because they used to be everyone's second favourite team, and now they're mm. sort of you know, looked down upon as a you know, slightly racist, um, you know, like bad smell about them. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if that is the case. But then I guess everyone gets what they want. Then um, I've not seen those, but you're right on the point, JB. Everyone is in a perilous position. Yeah, and everyone. If nothing else, I, these clubs would dream of making half a million pounds a year in profit. They've all had 
in the round, half a million pounds taken away from them this year because they've lost two home fixtures. Yep. So, and, and, by the way, none of them are making half a million pound profit. They're and half all, a million quid is roughly what sales spend, roughly, I guess, roughly what they spend on the women's team. So, like, not only, you know, the women's game is absolutely crazy. So, not only are all these top clubs pumping loads of money in, in, into the ladies' game, I mean, I've heard the rumours, it's the greatest financial opportunity rugby is ever, ever going to see, and if you don't invest in it now, the game will die. But, like, it is contributing to killing the game. Like, these clubs cannot do everything, and here we are, we, you know. Do you think that, say, ladies are making 600000 a year? I'd... I would be surprised if they break even. Yeah, that that half of of any club. Yeah, I, you, I hope they, I hope they all do. I hope they all make a profit. Do we think ex, but, ex ladies are doing that? I mean, they've all got to be funded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd I would be surprised if any of them. I mean, none of the men's team make any money. So yeah, so then you've got this extra layer of expense on top. Yeah, yeah. And the end. The, I mean, wasps took la- uh, ladies rugby extremely seriously, and netball. That worked well. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah. I just wasn't. I wasn't sure exactly what the situation is, but hopefully the next couple of weeks bring some good things to London Irish at least. Yeah. Yeah. I'd um, hate to see him go. I mean, the, the problem. Uh, these Gavin clubs, Doyle um, got in touch. Mm. Oh, Hi, Gavin. I'm oh, sorry, go on, Jay. Yeah. Um, the problem that these say, clubs Gavin, have. Got, I, sorry, and we're talking over each other. Do, 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 do you want to go oh, first? No. Wanna... I think there must be some sort of delay on the line here. Right. I'll, comical. I will just finish my point. We go for it. The problem that the Premiership clubs have, and we touched on it last week, and in a way it's the same as Welsh Regions, the WRU desperately want the de- Welsh Regions just to die, and they can do whatever they want, right? And Premiership Rugby and the RFU desperately want a Premiership club to die. They desperately, they know they need an even number of teams. They've got shareholders, yada, 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 and you know, they're not going to vote themselves out of existence. Could be Newcastle, who just don't take the game seriously at all anymore. It's most likely going to be, Lon- going to be London Irish. Um... It could be Sale. It could be any of them. Well, if if, if they uh, an owner drops dead or has a change of heart, oh or god! I their, mean, their separate businesses start failing. Something like, happened to say Simon Orange at Sale. It yeah, is game over. Exactly, it is game it, over. It, but it could be anyone. If Steve Lansdowne all of a sudden decides, or he drops dead, and his children and family don't want to take it on, Bristol. Yeah, like it, it could be any of them. Now, Bristol have got a big fan base and all the rest of it, but. You never know what's going to happen with any of these teams. No. They're all so perilous. And, you know, so the RFU kind of want this to happen. And meanwhile, they're sort of unstitching the game at the grassroots level anyway. And then you've got the CVC deal. It's inevitable someone will die again soon. I mean, inevitable that one of the clubs will go. Mm. But you just don't know. And I don't think that's the end of it. I don't think that it gets financially stronger once you lose London Irish. I think the next club goes, and the next club goes, and the next club goes, and they've got no one to replace them because they can't all play in the championship. <laughs> well, and, uh, if one club, if another club does go, then it's another um, two hundred and fifty grand. I'm using two hundred and fifty grand as like it's a a flat rate for <laughs> a home game. That is the the, the Gloucester. What Gloucester said, um, uh, who was it? Worcester cancelling or not playing their home game cost them two hundred and fifty. Yeah. Some clubs will be big, like Leicester. Will be more than that. Others just will be slightly think less. about the damage that you know. Uh, I just think about the damage that all this does to the game because when you lose a team and they dissipate a championship like Wasps and Worcester, I don't think we'll ever see Worcester again. I think they're just done, right? I think you're probably right. So, if anything, you might get Wasps at six ways. That might be the the best, hor- and that, that won't last. That's a Frankenstein's monster, isn't it? Yeah. So that's another disaster waiting 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 to happen then. 
Um, but yeah, it just the, the, like, all the problems compound, and then the brand of the Premiership, which actually is a strong brand, and it's a great competition with its history. It, it was, yeah, it was once. That will then get diluted because they'll either. Well, how do they get the extra teams? Do they go to the Welsh? Do they join a bigger competition? Do they? And then once you unstitch that brand, it takes years and years and years to be able to create an institution that's worth anything. So yeah, they're all dead. Um, Tim, you were going to mention Gavin Doyle. Yeah, Gavin Doyle, because it's Eurovision weekend. He has a quiz. I'm hoping you're oh, going to God. be able to hear this through my phone, through the microphone from Greece, through my computer, into the rugby dungeon. So let me try this. Let, uh, just let me know if you can't hear this properly. Greetings, egg chasers, from Gavin in Guadalajara, all the way over in Mexico. Um, I have a quiz for you guys, and the quiz is current international rugby player or former Eurovision winner. Wait. Given the month that's in it and the appending 67 staging of the Concours Eurovision de la Chanson, or simply Eurovision to you and I, taking place near you guys in Liverpool, I wanted to test your knowledge and see if you can identify whether the following 30 individuals are singers or wingers, oh, good wow. hookers or hookers. Or best known for mic drops, or indeed as tight head props. <laughs> Are you ready? I, I am. I am ready. It's such good effort. Well done, Gav. Uh, right, here we go then with question number one. So first up from Denmark, I have three names for you. Carl Christian Vansgaard, Jorgen Olsen, and Torbjörn Vestergaard. <laughs> I have no idea. Ves- so I'm going to say Vestergaard is the rugby player. Okay, I do JB, not. You got, you got uh, Vansgaard, Ol, uh, Olsen, Olsen, or Vestergaard. Olsen, Olsen. I feel like there's been an Olsen that's played rugby. <laughs> you're, you're guessing the the are you guessing the rugby player or the you're trying to guess the. Okay, so how on what's the you're format guess- here? One's a rugby player, one's a singer, one's nobody. Uh, in in the case of Denmark, two of them are rugby players. One of them is a. Eurovision singer. So oh you're, Christ! You're to... So hang on, we're not even talking about Premiership. We're talking about like Danish. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful Danish international rugby player. Oh, oh uh... the rugby players um, ply their trade in in France. Oh, do they? Ah, yeah. How? Oh, embarrassing. So, but anyway, uh, uh, Vansgaard, Olsen, or Vestergaard. Which one of those is the Eurovision contestant? Oh, so the um, first one's Eurovision. Vansgaard, yeah. You're both wrong. Uh, he plays for Stade Montois. Oh. rugby. Obviously oh. he does. Obviously. Uh, so anyway, zero zero at the moment. Next question. From Estonia, I have two: Dave Benton and Luke Fable. Dave Benton and Luke Estonia. Fable. Dave Denton. Dave Benton. Benton. Oh, Benton. Bentos. Bentos. Uh, and Luke Fable. Um, we do know that there's uh, Estonia occasionally like to pick a. Uh, uh, British and or Irish um, player to play over there. So, give me Dave Benton. Dave There's Benton's a rugby player. Rugby I player. I agree. Oh, because Robin Hazelhurst, the yeah. international loose head prop for Finland. Uh, isn't loose head prop of the pod. Uh, Dave Benton was Estonia's Eurovision contestant in two thousand and one. Luke Vebel play. Luke Vebel is an Estonian international who plays at Leicester Lions. Oh, oh, nice! They do like their rugby in Estonia. Some big, yep. sh- big, strong boys. And Leicester, well. and Leicester, yes. <laughs> conveniently. <laughs> Next question. From Ireland, we have three names: Max Deegan, Paul Harrington, 
I'm Charlie McGettigan. So Max Deegan is... is definitely a rugby player. Yeah. I know that name. Blindside flanker for Leinster and Ireland, I think. <laughs> By the way, just before we go You're on. trying to find the rugby player. The other two are uh, Eurovision contestants. Oh, Max Deegan then. Yeah. So Max Deegan, right, correct. Ha- hang on, before we, yes. con- before we continue. Um, Leicester Lions. We used to have a winger, right, who came to Broughton Park. I don't think you ever played with him. Way before your time, actually. Really nice guy. Um, I won't... Yeah, I'll say his name. No, should I say his name? I'll say his first name, right? So his nickname, because he couldn't catch, was Jimmy Concrete Hands. We <laughs> <laughs> just called him Jimmy Concrete, and he never knew. Uh, so he, he thought we called him Jimmy Concrete because he's really hard. He's hard as nails. Actually, he couldn't catch. <laughs> or hard as concrete. <laughs> All right, then the next one is Israel, and you're trying to find the Eurovision. Two of these are rugby players. I mean, they've got a team out there, haven't they? Yeah. Um, Tel-, Tel Aviv Heat. Yeah, which which had a few ex-premiership stars and a current premiership star. Can you name the premiership stars? Is, is, is... The Ibatoya. Yeah. It was a back row, a South African back row from Quinns went out there. Yep. Whose name escapes me. And one more. Uh, someone like Charlie Walker. It's not Charlie Walker. No, it's not Charlie Walker. Oh... Uh, um, not Dave Denton. No, close. That's you're right. You're on the right lines. Not Mike Williams. No, again, right lines. Exactly that sort of description. Okay, you'd fit into that box perfectly. Not Dave Ewers, obviously, who would fit into a similar size and yep. shaped box. Uh, Back know. in the Premiership now. Back in the Premiership. GJ Van Velzer. Correct. Oh, very good, Tim. Well done, Tim. Good cocker. Who was the uh, right, so Both, Bothma? Bothma, Ronaldo Bothma. Bothma. I loved him. Uh, I thought uh, he was yeah, a Ronaldo great Bothma. player. Bosher. Yeah. Uh, you, you're trying to find the Eurovision contestant. Two of these are rugby players. Okay. Three more from Israel. Jotam Schulman, Itzar Cohen, and Uri Geil. <laughs> no idea. Schum- so Schumann, Cohen, and De Geil. Uh, give me Cohen as the Eurovision star. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, that one. Correct. Yeah. Yes, well done, Ash. Well done. I know my rugby Correct. Eurovision. Uh, so we've got Italy now, four contestants. Surely this will be easier. Surely we'll spot know the, the rugby players. Two, spot the two rugby players. Spot the two rugby players out of this four. Okay. I have four people from Italy for you. Pietro Ceccarelli, Tutto Cotugno, Damiano David, and Gianmarco Lucchesi. So the problem is he speaks really good uh, Italian. Can can you anglicise those words for me? Like I would say them. Uh, Gavin is too multilingual and does it with an incredible accent. Is he a polymath? Yeah, he does everything. Cirelli. Pietro Cacciarelli. Cacciarelli. Tuto Cotonio. Damiano David. I think he's a rubber player. Gianmarco Lucchesi. He sounds like a rubber player. I think the last two are rubber players. David and Lucchesi. Or Lucchesi. Lucchesi. Yeah, last two for us, Tim, as rugby players. You're right in the case of Lucchesi. He, you're right on the case of Lucchesi. He's an Italian international hooker. Okay. Mm. Current Italian international hooker. Um, the other one was Pietro Cecciarelli, who's also an Italian um, international ho- uh, tight head prop. Who oh, right. Breathe. Oh, there ah. you go. Very good. Next. Couple more to, couple more, couple more to go. We've got uh, Denmark. Spot the two of these are rugby players. Uh, sorry, not Denmark. Uh, Holland. The Netherlands. Okay. Well, Three more from the Netherlands. Wolf van Dijk, Vikas Meyer, or Duncan Lawrence. Dunk, 
Duncan Lawrence two, plays rugby. Two rugby players. Yeah. Maya and Lawrence play rugby. Yeah, Maya, definitely. Maya does play rugby, yeah. For who? Uh, the other one's Van Dyke. The hard one is, like, so, there's a lot of South Africans. There's a lot of Dutchmen in South Africa. Yes, there is. I imagine, I imagine yeah. Wolf Van Dyke might be a South African <laughs> who's gone back to Rotterdam Rugby Club. Ah, oh, so, uh, that's nice. You were wrong there. Uh, Last one? We've got... Come on, then. Uh, okay, Norway. Spot the... Two of these are rugby players. Three from Norway. Alexander Rieback, Christopher Bornsheim, or Will Cadden. So we're looking for the, the one... Uh, the one non-rugby player. Borsheim. Is it Borsheim, the middle one? Uh, he plays for Stavanger Rugby Club. Ugh. Not, Stava- not Stavanger. Uh it was it was Ryback was the Eurovision contestant. Will Cadden is a back row player at Maidenhead. <laughs> wow, wow, that's cool. Uh, spot uh, two of these are rugby players from Portugal. I've heard the three from Portugal: Jose Lima, Salvador Sobral, and Jose Madeira. Uh, so the two Jose's are the rugby players. Correct, Phil. Yes. They Done, play Phil. for Narbonne and Grenoble. We've got two Obviously. more now. Uh, Russia and two of these are rugby players. Uh, Three from Russia. Nicolas Namania, Artemi Gallo and Dima Bilan. Namania is a rugby player. Yep. He is at Carcassonne. Carcassonne. Uh, Tom, Brady, Tom Brady had two, one season there? Yeah, didn't, didn't like it. Did not like it. I think they're making a push for promotion at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah. There's another team in Pro... Not even Pro de Deux, one below Pro de Deux, which is looking to buy up a lot of premiership talent. Mm. can't remember the names now, but they are throwing mm. money around looking for disaffected premiership players. There might be a few of those. Yes, there is. And especially, young, especially young ones, because mm. if you get them before or the age of 20 or 21, I can't remember which age it is, then they can count as GIF. Ah, quoted if, players, which is why if London Irish do go pop, uh, um, Will Joseph and Henry Arundel will be snapped up. Oh, hundred percent by French teams. Well, yeah, why not? Because now that um, Willis is playing in Toulouse and England, why not? Mm, That's it, exactly what you do. Well, yeah, if well, he if, won't be after the World Cup. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's still exceptional circumstances, no. <clears throat> Not yeah, next season. I don't think it's going to count. That would be interesting to see what they do. We spoke about that before, but I'm I'm not sure they can square the circle with the lower salary cap um, and retaining people. But that's for another. So, have we got another uh, Russian? Uh, to yeah, pick? one more, one more from Sweden, and uh, oh, sorry. spot the uh, two of these are rugby players. And lastly, three from Sweden: Mons Emelov, Alfred Nordgren, and Theodor Galson. Norgan. His accents are exceptional. He's, he's, they are Norgan plays rugby for Malmo. Oh, never mind. And Theodore Carlson plays for Stockholm Exiles Rugby Club. This was just a, a ruse for Gavin to show off how good his language skills are. I know what there he's are, like. There, yeah, I agree with you. There <laughs> are about 15 seconds left on this audio, and I don't know what he says. Should we have a listen? Yes, yes, please. So, let's see uh, who among you can get the douze points 
or indeed will receive the dreaded nul point. Let the boys play, and in this case, maybe let them sing too. Fantastic. Oh, bless him. And and Gavin, if if, if I had to pick anyone uh, from our wider circle of Egg Chasers listeners and just the Egg Chasers family, then Gavin would who I would put forward to represent us in any singing competition. Exactly right. And I'm I'm also certain that you will not be listening this week because of the Leinster result. So he'll be broken hearted. <laughs> he won't bring himself to, to listen to a podcast, I'm afraid. Again, it's all on what happens next weekend. He'll be he won't care about Tr- today. True. Yeah. Well Tim but you're right, the pre- the pressure is heaped on big time. Tim, um you can't actually see me because you're in your shipping container, but I'm I'm very disappointed that JB has not commented on my outfit today because I'm dressed up like a famous Munsterman. <laughs> yes, Phil looks like he's about to abuse Billy Vanapola. <laughs> I'm, we- I'm wearing a red rugby top, <laughs> chino shorts <laughs> and boat shoes. What was that yes, psychopath Phil. doing? What, what was the idea of that absolute lunatic? He's going <laughs> to run on the field to tell what? Billy V about LGBT rights or something? <laughs> LGBTQ rights? Who knows? What? It's what? a good costume, Phil. It's almost as good as when JB we went on a stag do as uh, Alan Quinlan. That, yes, that was proper niche. That was good. Paul O'Connell, and, uh, br- friend of the pod, barbarian Bryn Williams yes. is Paul O'Connell. And- hey, talking about barbarians, though, uh, are we not playing a barbarian-style game next week? We are. If they, if I get there and they're saying that we're playing children's rules, I'm not setting foot <laughs> on that field. July I'm the 1st, they come in. You're all right. Yeah, good. So this could be our last rugby game before it's banned. Last ever real rugby game. And I went to a club dinner last night. How was that? It was absolutely superb. It's so sad, you know. Everything it makes you so sad and so angry simultaneously. Having a great night, and we're talking about you know what's going to happen next year with the coaches, and everyone's talking about how this new, what whoever the coaches that we get, how they can progress the team. This and the other. And I was like, Hans, just stop a minute. We don't know if after two games there's even going to be a like going to be a game. Like the belly tackle. It, how how do we coach this? What are we doing? And then, have you seen the RFU campaign for coaching uh, tackle champions? Yeah. One of my favourite things ever. One of my favourite things. Who on earth is signing up to be a tackle champion? <laughs> and do we have to take them seriously? I suppose that you do. If you want to play the game, you're well, going to have to tackle... Well, you, no one wants to play this game, and that's the point, <laughs> isn't it? That's why I'm not playing. I don't want to play this child's game. Science-led child's game. Are they going to have game. enough numbers? Uh, are enough of the, the Talk H first team returning next season? Oh, they'll have a first team. I mean, the question is, like, what happens to the third team? How, how, I mean, what I'm saying is, how many are actually dropping out in reality now? Of the first team? Oh, a lot. A lot. Just going. And I think it gets much worse when we try and play these rules. I think it's substantially worse, actually. If you're part committed and you, you played rugby before, and then the first tackle you make is a penalty and it's just a, a nightmare it's just gonna be a terrible game it's gonna be a terrible game i'm i'm just as worried about the referees because i i think there have been a load of people who just will my bubbins could do it oh no <laughs> oh no who will have a miserable time trying to enforce something with very little guidance and the, the frustration R- level is going to be through the roof the RFU doing what was done to Carl Dixon and just leaving them to hang out, yeah. hang out to drive. And they 100% will. They 100% will. They do. I don't think they treat refs particularly well anyhow. 
But yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. And the ref pool at the moment is shrinking. Mm. You know, the fact that we've got enough refs to go around is quite is quite something. Well, if you got well, if you if no one plays, you don't need any refs. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And I think that's probably the plan. Um, I will say this though: um, last year, loads of people were whinging about refs. I thought the refs at level seven in Manchester were superb, really, really good. Maybe we had one bad or one iffy performance, but generally speaking, they are really mm. good. There's just not enough of them. Because they're people who care about the game. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> One of the most important jobs. Um, right. Well, I guess that's everything wrapped up, isn't it? I mean, we've not really was, previewed the game, other than say, right yeah, other than say the stands will will be empty. If you want to, no, there's there's because there's a game next week. Oh, of course, where the stands will be full. Yes, probably. Although. The top tier in the Aviva was empty this week, wasn't it? Yeah, but that's because they weren't playing La Rochelle, and La Rochelle need to travel. So where is this? Is this in Dublin again? I think it is in Dublin, yeah. They, they just want to hand Leinster any trophy that they can. <laughs> any trophy that they can. So back to Dublin again. I feel bored of Dublin. I, th- I feel like every big game is now in Dublin. The semi-final, the, you know, the URC final. Well, the URC final's not. It's in Cape Town. What a shame. What a shame. So anyway, Leinster have got their home their home final to lift it to lift it for their fifth star. Uh, it shouldn't be there, should it? It just isn't. It feels like if it's Leinster on rotation go, all the time, isn't it? Yeah, but I feel like if Leinster get there, I know there's a load of planning for the final, so it's not exactly fair uh, to say you know move move it last minute. But if Leinster <laughs> get there, I feel that you want to be picking up your fifth star in Edinburgh or London or Paris. Or somewhere cool, not or, in your home or, stadium, or Cape Town, or Cape Town, yeah, Cape Town would be cool. Cape Town would be cool, um, yeah. So I don't really like it in in <laughs> Dublin. Okay, long short of it is La Rochelle crush them. What what um, adjective did you use to describe what Toulouse were going to do to Leinster? Grind them to dust. Okay. <laughs> so is this is a crushing? Uh, a bigger margin of victory than grind, uh, grinding into dust. It's a lesser margin of victory. I mean, it's, that Toulouse victory actually for Leinster was a real wake-up call to how good they could be and should be consistently because Toulouse are massive and they're good. And I think the difference between Toulouse and La Rochelle is that sprinkling of stardust which comes from their um, halfbacks. Oh, half, La- halfbacks and the 15. Yeah. Ramos is so important to them. But, you know... I've just got a feeling that these monsters in the La Rochelle team are going to get over the game line, and there's nothing you can do to stop them. I don't mm. think you can stop... I mean, you can you can stop Aldrich, but then can you stop Skelton and everyone else? The mood in the Leinster camp is going to be so weird this week. Yeah. Because they've thrown it... It is their... It is directly their fault. It's not... As in, the management, whoever... And it's not one individual, but whoever was involved in making that decision... They've cost them a shot at the URC. Yeah, and so the the mood will just be on the floor. Yeah, because it'd be one thing if you were just beaten by a better team, but Christ, yeah, they were really good. Yeah, but yeah, they got we gave by... it, we gave it all. We put our first team out, we gave it all, all, and we came our second best. Yeah, and also we've been in those teams where you just don't lose. You don't lose week in week out, and then you lose, and it hits you like a train. Yeah, so you know, they will be going through that too. I think the O'Gara factor is massive. I think O'Gara knowing Irish rugby as well as he does. And he has a swagger about him too. Like he is a man of deep, deep and sincere confidence. Uh, that is going to make a huge difference. There's nothing humble or, you know, <laughs> falsely modest about him. 
He knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> so JB's saying La Rochelle. More of hope than anything else. <laughs> that, that's my wish. This isn't like an analytical breakdown of what's going to happen. But my wish is that La Rochelle run all over them and Aldrich has a, the game of his life. Um, you know, just that's what I want to happen. Raymond Rule crashing through. Yes. A dozen bodies on his way to the try line. Exactly. Who's the, who's the young fly half there that I like? Hastoy. Hastoy, yeah. I love him. And Boogerit, the um, hooker, I really like. He's class, isn't he? He is class. And Kerr Barlow is class. They've, they've got a good team. They, they don't have the... They don't have the ultra stardust that... Like, ultra high name stardust that um, Toulouse do, but they are a quality team and they are enormous. And they have... Yeah, well, I think... Yeah, just yeah, yeah. So no, that's that I was thinking of. La Rochelle had the two biggest players on the field against Toulouse when they played their final. You yep. know who they are, Antonio and Skelton, right? Yeah. Despite having the two biggest players, they were still down on average size in the in pack, the pack. <laughs> which is incredible. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Tim, uh, predictions. Uh, Leinster winning this one. You know, so if you'd have asked me two days ago. I would say Leinster are going to do the double. They they're too good not to. Now I I really think I don't. Can you imagine what that that Monday or if they did the debrief today on the Sunday, what that feeling would be like in the, the across the whole squad that they the people that they've trusted to through their rugby genius are going to guide them to the the double have just let them down. I I really I. Yeah, I would have been. Have. I would have been La Rochelle. Uh, sorry, I would have been Leinster. Now, give me La Rochelle. Yeah, well said, Phil. This is exactly what's happened. Although, with that said, I hope um, Leinster do turn it around. But um, I think they won't. I think they can't. They've thrown it all away. And on that bombshell. Well done, Phil. Well done. Hey, do you want us to talk about CrossFit for five minutes? <laughs> Are we going to do this on air or off air? No, let's do I'll it. leave you to it. No, let's, <laughs> right. Let's Cheers. do it. On. I'll leave you to it. Cheers, Tim. Uh, there's, there's all sorts of fun going on upstairs. Oh, right. Um, and uh, I want to go and get. I want to go and get stuck in rather than talk about CrossFit. Well, you, you do that, mate. Okay. See you later, mate. Nice one. All right. Do you want to talk about CrossFit Qu- quickly? Go on then. So. More of an observation about rugby. I'm taking these bloody headphones off now. Make it quick. Yeah. So I'm entering a weightlifting competition, right? Yes. So in order to enter this weightlifting comp- competition, it's all done by body weight, and you know, so you've got clean snatches, yada yada yada. So yeah, what what are the lifts in it? Uh, deadlift. Yeah. Squat clean. Not yeah. squat clean. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Clean. Clean. Snatch. Deadlift. Bench press. Squats. Okay, so I think you need to put up three scores, but it's a team. It's a team event too. Uh, okay, so it's a team score that matters, and it's body weight. So it's over. Yeah, so the there's a way to score over it. body weight. Yeah, so if you're 100 kg and you lift 120, you would get 20 kg. Exactly. So now the trade-off is: is it better for me to lose weight or gain strength? Mm. Or, because you can't do both. It it is tough unless you've got some. Um, South African supplemental culture. It is very, very tough to <laughs> um, do. Both. This is what I wanted to talk about. And, and the the um, the difficulty is, um, it's as with everything else, it's the trade offs. Yeah, like you can do one or the other, unless you are an extreme novice, in which case you can do both for yes. a, for a p- brief period of time in terms of weightlifting. 
But generally, mere mortals like you and I cannot do both. So you and I are strong humans. We're very strong humans compared to the general population, right? Yes. So you've got like 100 men in, the, in a room, we'd be strong. If you've just picked 100 men at random, well, yeah. Particularly for 40 years old, in my case. Yes. Okay. So, we're going to start the conversation with that. Now, the reason I've started with that is because I wanted to sort of gain some idea of how strong a premiership rugby player would be if they entered this competition. Interesting. So, I called I called, I called around a, f- a few players. I won't mention names. Some of the numbers which have been quoted at me are ludicrous. So, the best bench press I found... Um, oh. I only spoke to actually. I say found. I only spoke to three three lads, and that and that, and that was enough. They're, boys, all, they're all forwards. Yeah, boys like bench pressing as well because it's one, it's athletic. Two, it's competitive. Yeah. Um. It, so I bet the best. I won't be surprised if it's not far off two hundred kg. The best one I found was one nine eight. Yeah, one nine eight. That is ludicrous. One nine eight. The the who. D- can you can you tell who that? Or? I'll tell you who it is. I, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they'd want the. I mean, well, I don't think they'd care that much. To, 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 it's, to be it's likely to be a front row because you need big body weight and you need relatively yeah. short levers and a big chest. Well, this is another front row. Right? Yeah. Um, currently, one sixty bench. Yeah. Two eighty squats. Two eighty squat. <laughs> nice. Nice. Three sixty deadlift. Three sixty deadlift. Ooh. I know. Um, Petrus Duplessis, uh, Premiership um, winner, Champions Cup winner. He's recently let go as the Australian um, forwards coach. Or That's right, coach yeah. When Eddie Jones came in. Um, but I played with him for a few years. He, he was um, squatting over 300 when he was at Sedge. Oh, my which word. Is, I mean, he was, he was about 130 kg, but he was very, very strong boy. That is very strong boy. Insane. So, with CrossFit, right? As you get better. Like I said, when you're untrained, you get good at everything. Yeah, every, you can get better at everything really easily. Yeah. Because you've done Simultaneously. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. But when you get to a certain point, you have to trade off, right? Yes. So do I want to be better at running? Do I want to be better at lifting? What do I want to do? Or do you, like, on lifting, do you want to be better at bodyweight, calisthenic stuff? Yeah. Do you want to be better at pure Olympic lifts? Like, you can't, you can't do it all. Yeah. So, it just made me think. So, like, those numbers on the squat, bench press and deadlift then. Like, how do you do that and also run for 80 minutes to the intensity that they run at and yeah. generate the power? That's yeah. why. So, so it's, it's, I've come to the conclusion now that they all must be on steroids. There's just no... <laughs> they, you're talking about... And people, you know, if you want to impress people and make people watch the game, you need to communicate what unbelievable athletes that these guys are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even as a rugby watcher myself of... You know, quite some time and quite some knowledge. I had no idea that those were strength numbers. Yeah, I mean, we need to be talking about like these things because that is what you're watching is astonishing. Yeah, they they need to do be it a draft or sorry a combine, not a draft. They need to do a draft as well, but they need to do a combine yeah. or some form of uh, rugby league. Used to at one point in the year, they would do the sprint at the start. Of just the season. a standardized, maybe just a standardized seri- preseason fitness seri- test. Yeah, a series of tests. And make the data available, yeah. Because you want, you want to see it. Like people like us would not, like, would absolutely love so that nosy. kind of stuff. Oh, nice. And it would also, I bet it would be a little bit misleading as well. As in, like, I bet there's some forwards. Say, here's a great example: Max Laheef. Yeah. I bet his for a, whatever name the lift he could lift more than 
say Dan Cole. Yes. But that doesn't mean he's a better tight end prop than Dan it Cole. It does not. It most certainly does not. And I put money on Max Heath not being as good a tight end prop as Dan Cole. But I wonder what the test would be, though. So, you know, is it two, a two-kilometre row? Is it just yes. pure strength? Well, it's interesting because you look at the combine for um, NFL, and NFL is obviously a different game. It's all like, a few seconds agility and explosivity. Like, yeah. there's nothing more than a few seconds. The, maybe the longest test is the bench press. You've got to do <laughs> yeah. 100, 100 kg, 220-pound bench press. Well, 50 or, reps of, of yeah, that the, is The record is like 49 or 50 reps. But even, who was I looking up the other day? JJ Watt. Yeah. He, I think he did 36 or 30, something like that, which that weight is just, it's absolutely insane. Isn't it? I mean, they are not natural athletes. Oh, I yeah. don't want to see natural athletes. <laughs> Newsflash. Not interested. <laughs> but the fact that we are, I mean, I do, th- well, we've said this before the podcast, when you hear these numbers, I just think rugby can't be a clean sport. But you think it is. I, I don't think, I do, categorically do not think it's entirely clean. Um, but... I think there's very little that goes on at the top level. I suspect if you were to start testing some of the elite schools across the world in Ireland, in the UK, in France, in South Africa, in um, Australia or New Zealand, I'm absolutely certain that there is significant amount, <laughs> significant usage yeah, I- of performance enhancements. But there is, like, with, I don't know about, I don't know much about... Um, performance enhancing drugs but if you just look at um the long-term benefits of say vitamin s steroids yeah like it's, it's much like justin gatland gatland um was running sub 10 seconds until he was like it, 38 yeah people don't realize this it doesn't leave you yeah well you've, you've built that muscle yeah you've built those additional fibers Mo- and mean to building muscle is really really hard it's really hard. Like yeah. you say to anyone, if you want to go to the gym and start building muscle, like don't worry about getting too big. It's really, <laughs> it's really. Yeah, when women say, like, women, "I don't want to get stacked," trust me. Yeah, trust you, me. It's not happening. <laughs> the last thing that women should ever worry about is getting too big because you they have far less testosterone anyway. Yeah, and it's even if you've got testosterone, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, but um, a few years of it, once you've got it and you just maintaining it is relatively easy with decent diet and um, good strength training. I, that yeah. is easy. I'm certain that they're, if they're doing it, schoolboy level. I'm absolutely I'm certain. sure it's rife. I'm absolutely certain it's rife. I'd level. love to test all the private schools in in, in, in the UK. <laughs> well, no, I thought you'd, you'd well, well, just test them just to know. <laughs> not, not test them to ban them. Oh, no, no, no. Not to, no I'd, I'd be very secret. I'd be, I'd be hushing everything up, sweeping it underneath the carpet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, it just shows they're taking it seriously. Well, and that there's this, like we spoke about before, when we were speaking to Jim Hamilton a while ago, you talk about the trade-offs. And, like, the trade-offs in terms of health, and there is, like, not wanting to go down that kind of concussion or, like, I've got long-term ankle injury, thanks to mm. rugby. Um, but... There is a trade-off. When you're 18 years old, if someone says, take this, whatever it is, um, twice a week or whatever for the next six months, train like a demon, eat, eat as much as you can, and much protein and carbs and eat, eat clean, and you've got a significantly better shot of making it as a pro, there are so many people who would take that bet. Yeah. So many people. And it's the, the, the two most obvious ones are 
um, WWE wrestlers. Yeah. Who like basically you have to be on gear to get into that. Yeah. And and to the point where you're on so much gear for a long period of time and taking headshots that your survival rate is not going to be great. It's not. You, oh, but what a life. You, you, Sign there, me up. There might be other stuff as well. There might be other um, complimentary or not so complimentary. Life on the road. Drugs or party things, life on the road. And the other one is World's Strongest Man. Like You oh. have to be, you have to be, um, unless... You have to be unhinged to do yeah, that. You have to be above 150 kilos. There was a few, like Marius Pudzinowski and yep. the Ukrainian fellow who won it recently who are so explosive at just... They're just under 150 kg. Uh, do you think but, they're testing much? But the strongest man? you basically have to be on so much gear that you are going to die young. But yeah. to get a shot at the top, people are willing to take that. People, are re- men particularly, don't really care as long as they've got a cause. Yeah, they're not really that bothered. The, but like, you know, going back to like, how do you make it in rugby? One of the things the private schools do is they set your expect. They tell you how to make it. Right, they're very clear with, with how you make it. You know, here's the coaching, here's what a rugby player looks like, here's how serious you need to be, this is what a gym looks like, go and do some cleans, all that stuff, right? If you're in, like, the local state school and you're on your cl- local club, you might know how to pass a ball. You have no idea what the expectations are. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, if you were telling a young man now, you want to make it in rugby, you need to be a certain size he- uh, size and weight, take this. I, I mean, I, I'm sure it goes on. I am oh, certain. 100%. Some of the guys that these private schools are churning out now are just so enormous. And whether they're doing it secretly away from... I mean, I don't, I don't know how they get... They must be, yeah, they must be doing it secretly away from the school. Yeah, I would think Very so. Very hush-hush. I, I would think so, yeah. But it's... People will drive for it. I'm, I'm absolutely 100% certain that goes on. I would be surprised if at a higher level... It, it goes on in any like people might the one thing I would say is people might if they're out for injured for six months they might yes try and use that window to, and also, to come back stronger or fitter you might okay so let's just play the trade off game here right you're injured for six months mm. you might not come back the same player and you've got six months left on your contract once that contract runs out it, is, it might be the difference between the current 200k deal that you're on Mm-hmm. And then the new 80k deal that someone's going to offer you because it is a results based game. Mm. And if you're in a position like back row, you might not even get a contract because there's so many kids that can play back back row. And if you're not a world class operator, I mean, there's not really many jobs, even if Ben Curry came on the market. You know, he's looking mm. at a pay cut. Uh, yeah, or certainly he's moving out of England. Yeah. He's got to go to France. Yeah. But there's only so many spots in France. So in it's, that situation. If you thought you might lose your job if you don't come back bigger and stronger, what's a two-year ban? It makes no difference. Sure, you, you either drop out of the game because your, your contract is going to be rubbish, or you just get on some gear and come back stronger. Mm. No, I, it definitely happens. I just think the, the it's, it's probably the, it's like a pyramid. The, it more happens lower down. More happens in geography, oh, and definitely more. But lower down. It is more the guys who want to look good in a tight t-shirt, going to the beach, hundred percent. Um, have you come across um, a personal trainer called James something on James something James Smith? I want to say his name is Blondie hair. Yeah, guy. yeah. Like he kind of straight talking. That's guy. it. Yeah, I, I'm kind of loosely aware of him. Weirdly, really. I met him in Mojos. I didn't know who uh, who he was. Really? Yeah, we had a few drinks, um, but I didn't know. I had no idea who he was. No yeah. idea. Only retrospectively to say JB from Egg Chasers podcast. No, we just started chatting. He was with a guy who plays rugby for 
team in the Midlands who I've played against whose name escapes me. Anyway, he says on his videos about supplying performance-enhancing drugs to lower league teams, but most of it was like clam- clambutrol, which is that... Uh, is that a performance enhancer? Don't think it is, really. I have no idea. I don't even know. I'd... Oh, it's um, not a diuretic as such, but it makes you leaner. Uh, like a fat burner. Fat burner, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was the thing that he was pushing, but he's quite he's quite open about it. It's on his videos. Mm. Anyway, that was a nice little nice cross, little interlude. Yeah. CrossFit diversion chat. CrossFit slash rugby. But um, so when's when's your comp? Well, I've got some other exciting CrossFit news as well. So my comp's in eight weeks, and in a few weeks' time, I hope to be able to confirm a very exciting rugby slash CrossFit crossover. Wow. With, hopefully, a new sponsor, which would be great. Wow. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Right. I think we'll leave it there. So What a tease. What a tease. You can find us on Patreon. Please sign up to Patreon. Pays pay, pay for everything. Um, you can find us on Twitter, if we have a tweet, which we don't. <laughs> or you can email us contact eggchasers at, g- at gmail and that's it really There's no, just keep downloading and telling people and what not right brilliant see you later bye, bye. hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.